We acknowledge that this podcast is being recorded on the stolen lands of the Wurundjeri and Boon people of the Kulin Nation, who are speakers of the Woiwurrung and Boon languages. Colonisation is an ongoing process that is perpetrated across society, including in the colonisation of language. We pay our respects to the Wurundjeri and Boon elders past and present. Sovereignty was never ceded. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to a new episode of Loud, Angry and Not Sorry, where we're going to speak about pretty much everything, but from a feminist perspective. It's Daniel speaking, and my dear friend. Hi everyone, it's Leah, and with us we have a very, very special guest. Have young Carly. Hi. So I know Carly through through the internet, through ranting at men and yelling about feminism. She has recently quit her PhD. Uh, she's a linguist with a strong passion for intersectional feminism, fat positivity, and telling men why they're wrong. My favorite pastime. Oh my god, my favorite pastime too. Yeah. So how's how's things? Yeah, pretty good. Getting through it. Surviving mm-hmm. isolation. Yeah. So how you been? Like, what are you saying? You're in your place. How long have you been trapped? Uh, How long have I been what, sorry? How long have you been trapped? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, how long has lockdown been now? I don't even know. Originally, I kept count of the days, but that stopped at some point. Too depressing. Yeah. 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 I I think it's around... 300 days since I've last seen my family. Oh, I did babe. keep that tally. Yeah. Bleak. Mm, yeah, that is pretty bleak. We'll get there. It's so frustrating because it feels like everything just keeps constantly changing. I feel like we're in this sort of, I don't want to say unprecedented times because it's pretty precedented <laughs> now. Like, we're pretty done with it. We, you know, there's Spanish flu, there's fucking Ebola, swine flu. Like, it's not unprecedented. But I, I do feel bad because we don't know what's going to happen almost day to day. Like, when's the next outbreak going to be? until there's a vaccine you can't make any promises like it's kind of not like Danny Dandrew's fault per se but I just wish that that he'd stop being like well in three weeks we could do this because we might not so just we if in three weeks we got a vaccine then okay cool we can start planning but until we actually get a vaccine there's nothing that we can start planning for yeah exactly I just don't want promises because Promises mean that you get let down. Stop breaking our hearts. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Every man does it. From the soft boys right up to Big Daddy Dandrew. So, um, I don't know if you guys have been uh, following the news, but just recently Morrison was quoted as saying, I'm appalled. And it's disgraceful, and it's not on. Do you know what he was talking about? Chicken. <laughs> Someone's shitting in his pool. <laughs> his fifteen hundred dollar a day salary. Yeah, a He was talking about the Australian Post gifting Cartier watches to executives. I think it was around sort of eighteen thousand, twenty thousand. And Christine Holgate. I don't know if she's actually stepped down or if they're calling for her to step down. But yeah, he's he's all of a sudden really anti scandal. So, like, the branch stacking, he was just like, oh, that's a state issue. That wasn't a scandal as far as he's concerned. Uh, the sports rorts, where Bridget McKenzie spent $100 million, where she essentially pork-barreled certain electorates, he said that wasn't such a big deal, you know? He didn't think that was an issue. Yeah. The Leppington Triangle, he said he wasn't happy about the, the Leppington Triangle, where the government paid $30 million for a, a block of land for an airport that was worth $3 million. <laughs> He wasn't happy about that as opposed to being appalled by some watches. Yeah. I don't know. I just feel like it's a bit of a disproportionate response. Yeah. What was his response to the Berejiklian stuff? Oh, he defended her. You know, every, everyone's had a shit boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, you know, okay, true. But like, also, no. I feel like he doesn't give a fuck about the watches. What he cares about is optics. Two weeks ago, three weeks ago, he was talking about the bankers in, in Sydney getting tax cuts. They shouldn't get tax cuts. The tax cuts should be for the working class. He's doing this real sort of Trump-esque everyman response to this. And it's a, it's a way of getting gaining popularity with yeah. everyday folk. Yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, he's not wrong. It's in the middle of a recession. Yeah. Like, people are losing jobs. Instead of him being like, we're in the middle of a recession, people are losing jobs. Yeah. I'm not going to cut job seeker or job keeper. He's like, look at these 
guys, it's them. They're the enemy, not me. I'm on your side. I think giving Cartier watches to executives is shit also. Do you know what I mean? That's, yeah. the, that's the vibe I'm getting. Yeah. It's very much that whole Scotty from marketing. Yeah. Mm. And I feel like, I mean, if you want to, like, get these battles, because in then this happens when you start to privatize things. And I think like that it happened in the post office. You have the CEO having huge salaries, and they start to do this typical shit because that happened at least South America is super corrupt. So for me, mm. it's like Meh. this happens every year. It's a scandal. Of oh, it happens here all the time. I'm surprised it got in the news. Exactly. So <laughs> if if you want to do something about it, okay, you make them pay back all the money that is stole from taxes from people because that's. Separate money from the country, you know, mm. because usually people that work in all these kind of institutions, they steal money that is from everyone. But if you're going to a supermarket and you steal a chocolate, they will call the police <laughs> and you're going to jail. Yeah, but people yeah. that steal millions of dollars never pay for it. Like, luckily, the worst that can happen, they get fired. And they never have to pay back. Oh, they don't even get fired here. Yeah. They just get demoted. Yeah. Or a golden handshake and they get like $20 million. Yeah. Yeah, it's so common that in comparison to the Leppington Triangle, which is where the government paid $30 million in contrast to 20k on watches. I mean, yes, they are both bad, but his response was like, I'm disgusted. This is terrible. You people are the worst. When it comes to a couple of watches, but the Leppington Triangle is just like, oh, I'm not happy, guys. And, this and isn't on. And nah. I think it should be like, say, like, give back the, the, the watches and we give it all to people that is job keeper. Well, that's, <laughs> well, that, and that's the other thing is these people get caught. Yeah. And then they, they, they either have to pay it back or there's some sort of scheme. There's no genuine consequences and there's no change to the system. Uh-huh. So the opposition has been calling for a anti-corruption board or whatever bullshit, which is like, which smells very strongly of fucking IBAC. Corrupt people monitoring corrupt people is, yeah. is not going to end corruption. But Scott Morrison was like, oh, come on, guys. We couldn't possibly coordinate this. There's a pandemic on. And I'm just like, ah, uh, mate, don't you know how to delegate? If you can't multitask, how the fuck are you running a country? Mm. Like, oh, my. What, what happened with... The CEO of OzPost with those, like, One Nation stubby coolers or something. Oh, fuck, what was that? It was in the housing, like, they stopped. So Pauline Hansen said something super racist about the people in the public housing who were locked down. Yeah. And then, as an apology, she sent them a bunch of One Nation stubby holders. Yes! And then the CEO, (laughs) did she apologise for it? She made the news for another reason. And, like, I didn't even know who she was. And now she's made the news twice in a few months for, like, controversies. But I feel like I've never heard of her b- before. And now... I'm just going to Google Christine Holgate and... W. <laughs> Side note, I once did oh. an investigation to figure out how the state spells stubby. We're working for you, people. <laughs> Amazing. I, I know her so good. My boyfriend hates her. Yeah, everyone hates her. Any, anyone worth knowing hates her. Ozpost defends decision to deliver One Nation stubby holders to public housing. Yeah. She one time came dressing as she wore a Muslim yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so I think the police stopped them from getting in because they were like, this is not going to go down well. And then she demanded that they get delivered some racist stubby holders get delivered to people who weren't getting food and basic supplies in public housing. And this is after she described them as drug addicts and alcoholics who didn't speak English. Yeah. Oh my God. But how you can have someone like that so long in politics because she's been... (laughs) Well, first of all, Sunrise. (laughs) She came and she went. And then Channel... Is it Channel 7 or Channel 9? I don't. I think uh, it was did. fucking cotchy wank fuck. Anyway, they had her on as like a, a guest host and raised her profile. She got back into politics and she's really sort of just really clung on with her fucking claws yes. into the whole asylum seeker, racist and xenophobic and some misogyny. She's she's also climbed onto the whole MRA narrative as well. Oh, has she? she? Yeah, call her normal. Her son. Well, how can he possibly catch up? (laughs) (laughs) Why would I want to? (laughs) 
actually, it's actually the only like politic politician in Australia that I met first because she's like terrible and her red hair is so characteristic, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so Carly, you're a quitter. <laughs> Absolutely. Also, I'm so fucking proud of you because fuck the academy. The academy can go fuck itself. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. a hard place to be for sure. Yeah. It's just built for the elite to become more elite a lot of the time. And there's a lot of very good people that I know. Like I personally had experiences with wonderful people, but the structure mm. is not one that exists to support people actually climbing up. Yeah. Couldn't, couldn't be bothered feeling depressed and anxious all the time about yet another thing in the world. So yes. threw that in the bin. Fair enough. Onward and upward. Sounds good. If it does not bring you joy, I don't know, what's that mean? What's her name? Marie Kondo. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Marie Kondo'd my, my life, my career. <laughs> now I'm finding a new path. I think that has happened a lot, a lot of people. Mm. Sometimes you realise... I wouldn't know anything about yeah. this. Yeah. <laughs> start again mm. and just try to find something that make you happy because I think we've been so unhappy the last month trapped in our houses and everyone is feeling anxious that is like I don't want this shit more in my life I want to do something that made me happy mm. yeah one, one of my favorite tweets is neoliberalism is cum stains on a mattress and COVID is the black light that's so <laughs> that's so, so graphic I love it yeah high house things <laughs> Yeah, but it's like, I can't remember if that was actually, I think I might have wildly paraphrased once again, but it was essentially that. But I think it's not only neoliberalism, I think it's also Marie Kondo situations. Like, 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 you know, my job was making me miserable and then with the added stress of of COVID, I was just like, I'm not going to do this. Yeah. Like, but potentially the same with your with your PhD. Yeah, but it's also there's been a bit of like facing up to mortality in the middle of yeah. a pandemic, especially at the beginning when there was. I mean, I get very anxious about sickness anyway, so this yeah. was just an absolute treat for all of my anxieties to be like, oh, you can't touch anything, everyone's dangerous. So it's there's also been a bit of that like kind of facing up to the entitlement that we have in this country that like there is a perception that we will live for a very long time and suddenly like we were faced with this thing that's like you know what maybe not like something Mm. like this could come along at any time and completely disrupt everything and so why spend time doing something when you don't know what you're building towards anymore once I decided I didn't want to work in academia it's like what was I building towards and Basically, I was just building towards getting a title, which I don't actually care about. It was just ego and pride. So I can call you yeah. Dr. Carly if you want. Oh, thanks. I don't it's even like it. No. <laughs> Dr. Carly, Dr. Carly. It's an academia. What's an academia? Yeah. Like she works in academia. Like in the universities. Research. I don't know. Yeah. Researching. Oh, okay. Just okay. lots of dots and commas. Yes. <laughs> and yeah, it's like researching. Education and elitism, but like particularly in universities. Okay. Yeah. But it's like a master or after for be a doctor? Yeah. So with my PhD, I was planning to like go on to get like a research fellowship and eventually like go up the ranks to be like, I mean, the big dream was to one day be a professor. That's what a lot of people dream of when they do a PhD, but... Prof Carly then. Does that help? (laughs) I, I don't like it anymore. I don't I don't okay. want it anymore. I've like stepped away from it. I don't not a not a prof Carly. <laughs> yeah, perfect. That's it. <laughs> Fuck prof Carly. Hang on, yeah. I don't know. It's just sexual. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just take care of yourself is the most important. Mm. Take care of yourself. No, that's yeah. awesome. I love the idea of studying and I love studying and I love lectures and reading and all that kind of stuff. Fucking hate referencing. <laughs> and I fucking hate like writing an essay on something, article or whatever, where I can't have any original thoughts. It always has to be someone else's. And I'm just like, I'm quite a left-leaning feminist. My thoughts generally come from like debt forgiveness, which I'm sure there's references for, but there's much, much many more <laughs> references for. No, we should absolutely tax everyone higher. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, academics is not really... I was never, ever going to get into academics myself. Well, that was the thing. I actually... I love learning. Like, it's the reason that I stayed at uni for so long. One of the biggest 
motivating factors when I like slowly came to this decision to leave was that I had realized that I hadn't enjoyed learning within the context of my PhD for a very long time. Oh, babe. I had found actually through becoming friends with you and through conversations I was having with different people, I'd found these new areas of learning that had reignited my passion for it. And I also had to do some editing of my PhD topic because COVID had kind of ruined what I had hoped to do. Mm -hmm. And when I sat down and I was like trying to plan what I was going to do instead, I was like, I'm not passionate about this. I'm not excited Mm -hmm. about this learning, especially like the quantification of it, having to reach these milestones and just the fact that like so much had to be like reported and ticked off. And that's just not how learning is. Learning's Mm -hmm. not a list that you tick. It's like a process. And I mean, neoliberalism and capitalism and universities have made learning a business instead of a process. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah, absolutely. And that's... Yeah, I mean, and health and everything. Yeah, like with like with the NTEU and the defunding of universities, and you saw that like universities weren't getting access to JobKeeper. Well, the public universities weren't, but the private, like Harvard in Sydney got access to JobKeeper. Oh, my God. Yeah, like it's just this, this constant pushing for privatisation. It's the just, only way that is, is, is a basis. Yeah, yeah no, absolutely. On top, I mean, on top of that, the whole, you know, incitement laws and stopping us from protesting and from actually getting involved in activism while underneath they're just being corrupt and shit. It's really, like, I swear to God, Morrison and LMP is just looking at this and going, no one can protest, no one can activate, they can't stop us, so we can just do whatever the fuck we want. Swear to God. I've had a few friends reporting similar things, like in workplaces, redundancies being made that everyone's known they've wanted to get rid of Mm. those positions. And so they're using the excuse of COVID and then building positions in other areas. So it's not actually that they needed to get rid of those people to save money. It's that they wanted to create another position and they've just used COVID to do it by cutting off yeah. Yeah. I'm not even slightly surprised. Because it's like... This, <laughs> no, and not even... Not, I'm not even going to pretend. As much as, you know, I love unions and join the union and all that kind of stuff, their powers are so limited. I mean, they always fall back on, you know, we're only as strong as our membership, but the membership are disenfranchised and disincentivized in some instances to actually stand up and activate because the payoff is just not there. Like, you're still going to lose your job. And if you do manage to keep your job and make some change in the workplace... And you're going to go back to a workplace where people probably hate you. Yeah. And your bosses are going to treat you like shit. So there's no, yeah. There's no ethics under late capitalism. No. It's got to burn it all down. (laughs) But can I say something? No. Stop. (laughs) I really really like point that when, when, remember when the episode about the budget, that for me was so interesting because how similar we are from Chile. Mm -hmm. Like, because we have the same economical system, but we have different contexts, but economical system is the same, that is neoliberal. And in the budget, one thing that just blew my mind was the health insurance, Mm -hmm. medical insurance, that are private, basically private health, right? So what they did was extend the age that you can have your child, child in your insurance. So before it was, for example, until 30, now you can have it until 37, for example. But I was thinking, why don't you just don't fix the public health, you know? But no, they prefer <laughs> people stay paying for longer a private insurance better than fix the public. That is the problem. Because, you have to because as Danny Dandrew said... Frydenberg is not a leader, he's just a liberal. <laughs> it's the fucking sickest person. <laughs> it's such a, it's such a like, example of it. It's like you can fix the public or not. It's all band-aids and super glue. Mm. None of it's, and they don't want to fix the system. No, they don't. Because either they just want to privatise everything or they're just trying to bring on the rapture. <laughs> Fucking hate Morrison so much. <laughs> like, so much. Like, I have wet dreams about killing him. Like, I, <laughs> like, oh. <sighs> I hate him so much. I had um, a very sad 30-year-old renter dream the other day about finding an apartment that just had floor-to-ceiling shelves, and I was so happy, and that's it. (gasps) That's the whole dream, and it was just one of the best dreams I've ever had. (laughs) 
Carly, when I was 20, my dream was to have a two-bedroom apartment in the city with a dog, and one of the bedrooms would be my bedroom, and the other bedroom was just, like, floor-to-ceiling shelves. Yeah, that's the dream. <laughs> but now I've got to put a fucking kid in the other room. <laughs> <laughs> All those if- books are about Minecraft and fucking... <laughs> Harry Potter, even though we've had the conversation about <laughs> fucking J.K. Rowling, we had the conversation, we decided that we would not, we just wouldn't purchase anything from her. We would steal and pirate. Nice. I said I said no to library books because library books, is, if she yep. borrows from the library, then that says to the library we need to buy more. Mm-hmm. No. So just, just steal. <laughs> giving that cunt money I swear to god yeah. I said the same thing because when all this first blew up I was having a really hard time because you know I, I was the age of Harry Potter and it was such a seminal part of my childhood but this is the thing it was such a huge part of my identity yeah. and I was like okay I'll just yeah, like you said, I'm not going to consume anything from her. I'm not going to, like, do the house sorting like I used to, none of that stuff. But I've actually now got to a point where I, d- like, I just want to throw my books in the bin. Yeah. I don't even care that it was so significant. Like, I'll just ro- yeah. watch Round the Twist for the rest of my life as my significant <laughs> childhood moment. Yeah. <laughs> for me, Harry Potter was, like, was the first book that I read that I like. Mm. That by myself, like, oh, I love it. And it was, like, 10, I read them all. But now that you are not even still, like, not even his hair, is some things in the book that are not right. Oh, yeah. She, for example, in the book, she separates people for caste, and they, the women are the only ones that are always cooking and doing things. The mom of the Weasley family is pretty oh, much the cool. slave of their kids. The, the gender kids, roles, yeah, the it's only so true. The one is Hermione, but she will never be the best one because she's a woman, even if she's the yeah, best she's one. Yeah, she's still, she's one. still just a supportive character for Harry. There's so many things that cancel that we know that it's yeah. not right. Some people say you shouldn't, you should separate like the the things from the artist. No, but fuck. I think you should. No, <laughs> <laughs> no I guess fuck. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck it's off. True. No, it's no, true. no, yeah. because they still produce this shit. You're exactly. still giving. Yep. You, you're paying money to someone who is a piece exactly. of shit, and they don't deserve money. So instead of buying books about fucking. Harry Potter, go look at Google Trans Writers, our inclusive stuff. Isabel reads this book by the, I can't remember the, the author's name, but they're called Smile and Drama, graphic novels that are just like about high school, normal high school, growing up in high school stuff. Coming of age stories, but one of the characters is gay. And it's, that's not what the story's about. It's yeah. just that there's a kid who's involved in a, oh, I fancy that person, and that person happens to identify as male, and the person they fancy happens to identify as male. So it's totally normalising that, normalizing. which is so cool. Whenever they release a new book, it's like, maybe it's released a new book. And I'm like, yes, done. Yeah, because one of the important things, like one of the areas of linguistics I did a lot of work in is called critical discourse analysis, and it's about analysing... sounds so hot. <laughs> <laughs> Should I ASMR it? Critical yeah. And it's about looking at text, particularly ones that are produced at a governmental level. So you can look at like advertisements from the government or policies, whatever, and breaking down what's happening to uncover the ideologies that they're hiding. And the whole thing is everything is ideological. So if you find out someone has rotten ideologies, you do not want to continue consuming their work because those ideologies are in there even if mm-hmm. you can't read it on the surface. They are in there. Yeah. So it's the same thing with musicians, it's writers, TV producers, everything. The messages mm-hmm. are there. And if you do choose to continue to consume it, you have to do it critically. This whole fan thing that we have at the moment where if you're a fan of something, you can't criticize it. Yeah. Absolutely not. We have to be critical of everything we consume because all we're doing constantly is consuming messages that we're not aware we're consuming. Yeah. Yeah, Carly. Yeah, can't tell that to your radical centrist mate. <laughs> Do you think I mean, that's know how to be critical? No. Amarillo. No. <laughs> I don't know how to segue into this. The the elections on, and two people whose names I keep forgetting because I live in Victoria. One of them is Palaszczuk, and the other one is Frecklington. Frecklington. It sounds like a town on Noddy. Like I swear to God, that's not her name. <laughs> I'm going to make sure I haven't made that up, but I'm positive it's Deb Frecklington. Sounds like yeah. a lolly. I, I literally <laughs> have 
a bag of freckles sitting right here. Oh, you got a bag of Frecklington. I do. So there, recently some reporters have asked them both if they identify as feminist and they both gave some pretty like sort of vague and unassuming responses. One of them was just like, well, I identify as a female, which is cool, good for you. Also, ugh, female, anyway. And Pal- Palaszczuk was like something along the lines of if identifying as a feminist means something about equality then yeah I guess so sort of thing and but there's some criticism but does does anyone ever actually stop to think about how difficult it would be for a woman to actually self-identify as a feminist in Queensland and in politics oh I was about to say I used to live in Queensland and I was a feminist so I do know how hard it is but it was not in politics so. Still, like I grew up in regional Victoria, mm-hmm. calling myself a feminist in the social construct means something completely different. Completely different. Mm. Sure, criticise women and stuff like that, but I, I feel like we, especially for men to criticise women and how they identify as a feminist or not a feminist, it's like, can you fucking not? Also, they're not going to ask men that question. Male no. politicians do not get asked if they're a feminist. We can also, you can tell who's a feminist don't know Palaszczuk's policies well enough, but I'm positive neither of them are feminists. So that's state. I don't. Yeah, I don't know much about state Labor or Liberal to be honest. In Queensland, hot and heavy for coal. So I don't really care about the environment. Yeah. Locking up Indigenous kids. Love cops. It's um, not particularly feminist no, agenda. No, 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 no. Frecklington wants to bring in a curfew in northern. Oh, Queensland. that's right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah for cool. the youths. Yeah. yeah, in northern yeah. Queensland, which is, you know, um, not going to affect... Right? Yeah, I don't think it's specifically for First Nations, but it's going to predominantly affect First yeah. Nations. Ah. And it's so obvious, like, they're not even trying to hide it anymore. Yeah. Because it's, it's, it's legal, you know, there's no problem in Australia to do that, so why they will hide it anymore? They've been doing this forever. Yeah, exactly. It's not... Yeah. It, look... What I have to disagree is, is like they will not ask a man if they're feminist or not because in my personal opinion, I don't think men should be feminist. They yeah, should be no. supported, but mm. they they can't call themselves feminists. Yeah, but men don't get asked, like, yeah. what are your particular about views about women's rights? Oh, but like, exactly. You, yeah. Okay, yes. But if you're feminist, just say it, though. Yeah, no, absolutely. But you've got to also remember the, not only the context, but the motivation behind the question. So they're not asking that question to be like, yeah, let's all empower it. women. Mm. They're asking that question so they can use it as ammo against them. Yeah, because we yeah. yeah. You can't always be outspoken and outwards about that sort of stuff, especially in Queensland. In like yeah, Pauline Hanson, mm. Bob Catter, fucking Clive Palmer. Clive Palmer, their environment. Like this, I want to say the vibe, it's Marbo, that culture is like. Yeah. So if Palaszczuk was to be just like outwardly, I am a feminist. I believe in equality and for all women, which would get her massive points in the feminist community, but it wouldn't get her elected. She'd lose votes for that. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, 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 in the sense. So on one hand, yeah, absolutely. Fuck that. You know, live to your morals. But also fuck Palaszczuk. Like, I don't give a fuck about Palaszczuk. But I think just when we have these conversations Mm. about women and how they express themselves in public, we don't have that luxury to be able to self-assert like that. Yeah. And it's, such a fucking philosophy bro bullshit response to be like, ugh, what a shit feminist. I'm like, well, you're criticising women with literally no nuance. And I bet you call yourself a feminist, mate. So, uh, no. I have a meeting with my friend. The group was like, we were two guys that were uh, gay. And the other one was a straight dude, super white, long hair. Oh, I hate him already. <laughs> and he was like, hey, if he comes to sit at the table, he was, I think, 24, and he was a teacher in a school. And I was really drunk, and I was like, yeah, I'm a feminist. This guy was like, oh, my God, you don't even know what is be a straight man in this gender or they are gender fluid and you don't know how to call them anymore and blah 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 and it's like, yeah men are so oppressed because they don't know how to use pronouns and it's like oh. okay he continues talking and then he was saying like can I ask you something from your feminist man I'm like yeah so what are your plans as feminists for men in the future well first of all gonna get a big rod <laughs> and he was like dude like this is question is for real and you know 
any of my friends can get uh, girlfriends or get laid anymore. You don't know how hard it's day these days. You can say nothing. They don't like anything. And I'm like, and I was like, you blaming me for your, are you blaming feminismo for your lack of sex? Like, are you serious? Like, um, dude, Jenny, it's so hard to get sex. It's just don't be an asshole. <laughs> How is he supposed to get sex if he can't manipulate someone? Man, it's terrible. Like, we oh. say no. How we dare say no that yeah. we don't want to date you, dude. And how dare we teach women that they don't have to accept the bullshit from any man who comes along? Yeah. Why there's no them that look themselves and trying to grow with us and stuff? Like, of course you can ask to a girl if you want to go out with her. Of course you can. But you just have to ask. That's all. Just relax. Yeah. What is happening in their minds? And this guy was so upset about it. I'm not going oh, to answer nothing no, because he was so no, stupid. It's, it's, it's always about what he wants, what he thinks he needs, what yeah. he thinks he's entitled to. Mm. And it's women's bodies. The audacity of men mm. make us as <laughs> responsible yeah. for their the honest, and fix yeah. them for them. And it's like, you did it. Jeez, it was the 80s where it became a criminal offence for a husband to rape a wife, the 80s, and he's upset that no one wants to go out with him. And I'm just like, I'm pretty sure, just from this conversation alone, that it's not feminism that's the problem. <laughs> so much. And my friends, they were just looking at me like, we didn't know how to shut up this guy. because really? I, You should have just picked him up and chucked him off the balcony. Like, no. Well, no, I'm so sick of wasting my time and my energy explaining to men that I have human rights. Mm. Yeah, that's why just I didn't answer. No. And it's, you know, the kind of question that they make and they stay like this in Thailand <laughs> and it's like, now would you answer this question? I yeah. fuck all your yeah. ideology they're for this demand, question. They're demanding a debate. Yeah, and with they think they're question? setting traps. They think they're, yeah. like, setting a trap that you're going to fall into. And you're just like, yeah. I actually just can't explain to you how wrong you are at this point. Like, yeah. when, when I was in Queensland once, I went out and I was talking to someone about my research. And he was like, I don't understand why we need feminism. My wife earns more money than me. <laughs> and I was like, what? Like, the grass is also green. That has nothing to do with feminism. What are you, like... And I kept trying to say to him, okay, but I bet you also expect your wife to, like, leave her job when she gets pregnant even though she earns more money than you you're not going to be the one who stays home with a kid and he's like no of course not it's her job to look, stay home and look after the kids and I'm like is it or is her job the one that she's currently getting paid more than you for like <laughs> and it, it, it just got People to the point just like Leah why do you hate men so much I'm like have you met men <laughs> Yeah, like, every time someone's like, give them the benefit of the doubt. I'm like, why? No, Can I've you... got other things I'd like to give them. Thank you very much. <laughs> kind of backtracking ever so slightly, philosophy bros. Carly and I were having a conversation maybe a week or so ago about how fuckboys have evolved. <laughs> I don't know if we were wines in or if we were just literally just having a conversation and our minds just exploded. But it's survival of the fittest for fuckboys at the moment. Yeah. Because they've evolved. They've learned that women expect more. We expect ugh, basic human decency. And they know how to, like, put the costume on to look that way, which yeah. is how we go from fuckboys to philosophy bros. Because now they can talk about Foucault and they can, like, understand gender theories. Some of them might know Butler, but I highly doubt it. They're much more likely to be touting the teachings of old Look, white men. I don't I don't think that there's any meme groups about Butler, so mm, you probably won't. Yeah, she's definitely not an incredibly seminal writer in the entire field of gender studies or anything. And post-structuralism as a whole wave of thought. She's inconsequential, really. Yeah, I take it back, Judith she. Butler, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> but, more, more, more Judith Butler meme groups. Yes. Yeah please. More Judith Butler chats in general. She did an amazing interview recently, I don't know if you saw it, where the interviewer was trying to trap her into being transphobic <laughs> and she just kept being like no, that's wrong and like shutting down everything the interviewer said. I'll, I love that. It's so good. I'll find it and I'll send it to you. We'll put a link in the show notes. Yeah. I was watching a Sylvia Frederici talk and during the Q&A, it was so fucking annoying because all these philosophy bros trying to catch her out and stuff. Like, you've got Silver Federici, this incredible mind. And then you've got, like, insignificant 
mediocre nobodies trying to be like, but what about when you said this this one time? And she goes, well, yeah, cool, but this, this, and this, and this. And I was just like, yeah, but... And she's like, no. Next. Oh, it's good. Yeah. And then someone was like trying to swerfy and like, you know, how sex work objectifies women. And she just, along the lines of capitalism, objectifies women. Yeah. And this, this fucking poised, waspy-looking swerf was like, bitch. Yeah, go fucking fuck off. If you don't want to do sex work, don't do sex work. Mm, yeah. Instead of trying to make like lives dangerous for sex workers, mm. maybe I don't know. Fucking read a book. Like I don't know. I don't care. <laughs> for me, the the, the 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 interesting thing about sex work is people always talk about the sex workers, but they never talk about people that pay for the sex. Yeah, sex worker if people don't pay for sex. In the Nordic model, they do because they criminalize the purchase of sex. It's the most ridiculous law I think I've ever heard in my entire life. Doesn't make sense. Yeah, yeah. but what I was talking about is more about like the laws or like criminalize. I'm talking about like us, like people uh, that yeah. they always talk well, about yeah. sex workers. Because you know? women, women are sluts and we're whores and we're the ones that ruin families. Yeah. And men are just, you know, they're sexual beings. Like they couldn't it's, possibly. That's, that's, that was yeah. my point, yeah. yeah. No, because, so, yeah, people suck. So, <laughs> Carly, do you think that you can explain what is a fuckboy? What is? A- I feel like it's too much pressure. Okay, so my definition yes. of a fuckboy is... So this is what you should be doing your PhD in. <laughs> no PhD. Absolutely no PhD. <laughs> we'll just write Oh, my book. God. <laughs> I could not imagine spending, like, four years having to closely analyse the behaviour of fuckboys. I would, <laughs> I would not survive. <laughs> Ginger Carly, you'll be fine. Oh, well, then I've already got a PhD. Don't worry about it. Um, <laughs> so to me, a fuckboy is a guy who, like that traditional kind of rubbish man in the dating world who kind of says whatever he can to get you into bed and manipulates and lies but does it in a very overtly villainous kind of way. Mm. And then a soft boy. Now, the thing, the controversial thing about soft boys is soft boys can be good. There are good soft boys and bad soft boys. So (laughs) the overarching thing is that soft boys are very emotional and they don't buy into traditional, like, masculinity concepts. So what happens when it goes bad is that they manipulate this emotional intelligence and this knowledge of feminism and other theories like this in order to manipulate women, primarily women. I'm actually not sure if there are soft boys in the gay community. I'm sure there probably are. My experience has primarily been with myself and my women friends who date men. Yeah, so they use these emotions to manipulate and kind of it's reinforced by the fact that women get socialized into being nurturing and caring people. So then when you have this emotional man either dating you or using you or whatever is happening, he will frequently refer back to his emotions and how hurt he is in order for you to be silenced and look after him. Mm-hmm. So that's mm-hmm. a soft boy. And then a philosophy bro is kind of unrelated. This is from my many years in academia, encountering a certain type of man who tends to study philosophy. Although, to be fair, philosophy bros can be found anywhere in the arts and probably in the sciences too. He's the one that, like, loves to use philosophical theory to support his horrible behaviours. And, <laughs> kind of, yeah, so it's kind of like the, a manipulation thing again, or they, like, manipulate you into thinking that they're really smart, and then you scratch the surface and you go, okay, no, you just have a tattoo of the panopticon. Like, that's it. That's as far as you go. <laughs> you've, you've just read Wikipedia. <laughs> yeah. And they get really defensive when you encourage them to elaborate on what they mean because quite often what they say doesn't make sense. Mm. And they rely on the fact that it's super vague and you just wouldn't understand. You just don't get it. The condescension. The condescension. Yeah. They condescend to you so that you like gaslight yourself into believing that what they're saying is right and what you think is wrong. Yeah. And especially like I've 
told my entire life that I'm wrong. Yeah. Racism is fine. Like, <laughs> misogyny is fine. Double and triple doubting myself mm. and going over things. Well, was I wrong? This reads like this to me. And But they convinced me that, no, no, you, you don't actually understand it on the deep level that I do. And these manipulative yeah. men are like, it looks like they're moving away from traditional toxic masculinity, but what they're doing, the survival of the fittest thing, they're evolving mm. and the toxic masculinity is just getting this, like, paint job. And so you can't see it for what it is Mm. until you're like too far into the relationship and you actually care about them as a person or until you have a friend be like whoa that behavior is awful and like Mm. Leah and I have talked before about the importance of having a group of people that you can be like hey this doesn't feel right can I get your opinion on it Mm. and when like I have a very strong network of women around me where I can do that and they'll be like whoa that is awful that is manipulating you don't believe it you're being gaslit you're being abused whatever it is yeah and They've had the paint job. They look like a better kind of man, but they're still doing behaviours that not only reinforce hegemonic gender identities from their perspective, but they play into the things that we've been taught as women and force us Mm. to continue to enact these roles. Even as we actively try and escape them, we find ourselves going oh, but, like, he's so sad, so I should really make sure I look after him. Like, I know he's treating me like shit, but he's had a really bad week, so that's why I have to look after him. Yeah. Yeah. It all comes down to, again, motivation for behaviour. It's all about power and control. Yeah. It's regardless of of if they say they're a feminist, and men can't be feminists, but they say they're a feminist and that they're left until you point out that their mate over there actually abused a friend of yours, and they're just like, oh, no, 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 couldn't couldn't possibly be. She's obviously making it up. No. Yeah, I, I remember this fuck boy that I had one, that he have a, we have a relationship, like really weird, because you never have real relationships with him, but kind of for something like eight months, but he always do that things to make you feel confused, Mm-hmm. And it's like, I'm a good guy, but my ex-girlfriend is still living in my house. <laughs> uh, but she's crazy. She tried to jump from the balcony oh. and I'm taking care of her because I'm a good man. Whenever someone calls their exes crazy, that's a massive red flag. Yes. And then we have sex, oh, you're so amazing, you know, you're so beautiful. But then in the same day, he starts to show me photos of the woman that he wants today. In that time, I didn't have enough self-esteem neither to like say, what the fuck are you doing? I was like, oh, yeah, she's mm. pretty, she's pretty, you know. It was, but that's, um, a, that's a, a very common strategy. They do that to undermine your confidence. Yes. To make you feel like, oh, well, I better just do whatever he wants because he's got all these other options. Yeah. And then he... I think that's a pickup artist thing. Probably. Yeah. And then it was funny because in the end, I had to tell this guy like what are you fucking doing why you still show me photo girls like we've been together like eight months it's nothing serious with some respect so don't talk to me more like bye but the guy he was obsessed to get like a girlfriend that looked look good with him <clears throat> so I was I was chore and more chubby and he wanted a really skinny long girlfriend just so, hire an escort mate like if you've got specifications just just shop for it online like I just am not interested yeah. that's so gross so make you feel like that like mm. you are not good enough to be with him in a relationship mm. but then he start to grab you when you don't talk to him they start to grab you messages like I want to see you you're so sexy yeah. when I that kind of toxicity it's so gross yeah. Yeah. but enough. still it still is, it fucks your head because like yeah. make me feel so ugly mm. have a boyfriend and he's great a great dude but he's not a dude that is like feminist he's just like mm. what yeah, you supportive. do supportive that's it yeah. yes so the language that we use yes has power um, has power yes. yes so as a linguist I was very into language and power and I was in the area of sociolinguistics which is like sociology and language and recently I've been very unsure about the phrase sex pest that we use to describe someone who basically has they're a creep or they have a history of allegations or if there's no outright allegations it's the kind of thing that you just know without anyone actually saying it Mm. we use this phrase sex pest and I finally realized in the last week or so why I hate it and it's because a pest like if you describe someone as a pest it means they're a bit annoying they're hanging around a bit Mm. too much maybe they won't be quiet but if someone's being predatory they're not a pest And we Mm. shouldn't use this phrase that really uh, continues to add to the stigma that we put on being a victim because it disempowers you to say, like, to say I was assaulted by a pest 
doesn't have any power. So mm. trying to tell a story like that, it really undermines your experience. And it mm. also continues the silence that we have around telling other people or like sharing with people who's unsafe because they're not a pest, they're a predator. Mm-hmm. And I don't know the right phrase to use instead because obviously, especially when it's just at the place of allegations, we can't publicly be like that person has sexually assaulted people or is a sexual harasser. But I think we can. I think if someone's made an allegation against someone, called someone a harasser, especially if it's a woman who has said this person has done this thing, I think we can say a woman has said this. Yes. They have said that he's yes. a harasser. No. I started calling Steve Jolly a sex pest at the time of the last election, like when he ran with Vic Socialist. Someone wrote on his post as sex pest. And that was... Oh, God, I can't. I don't even know how to say this without... Oh, no one's going to give a fuck if I wrote fucking sex pest on Steve Jolly's face. <laughs> <laughs> what are they going to do? Leah... We're going to fine you for... Okay. Fucking feminist loudmouth get fined for writing on Steve <laughs> Jolly's thing that he was a sex pest three years ago. Like, yeah, no, they're not going to do that. I didn't... I wasn't actually writing sex pest on his face initially. I was writing abuser and assaulter and all that kind of stuff. Like, gross pervert, that kind of thing. That's what I was writing. But the guy that I was with kept writing sex pest. And I'm just like, well, that's a catchy... Mm. It's got a bit of zest to it. So I just started writing sex pests and I've just kind of called him sex pests ever since then. However, the guy that I was doing it with actually like assaulted. Oh, see, this is a weird thing because he didn't actually assault me, but he manipulated and coerced and all this kind of stuff. Do you know what I mean? It wasn't like, I, I don't know how to explain that as it was abusive, but it wasn't necessarily abuse, if that makes sense. I once had a psychologist use the phrase sexual misconduct to describe something, but I'm not sure if I like that either. No, I feel like, again, that kind of diverts away from what actually happened, is that I was manipulated and coerced and just worn down. And he was just waiting for me, essentially, to be vulnerable enough. Oh, there is a phrase for this. Shit any cunt. You got it, yeah. Done. (laughs) Look at me. Who needs a fucking PhD in linguistics? But he was the one that, that stopped me from using the terms like abusive. Oh, yeah. He was the one that stopped me from, from doing that yes. because he was one of them. Yep. And they don't, like, they can deal with being labelled a sex pest because that's minor. But being labelled yeah. a pervert or an abuser or a harasser, those are terms that are so much more laden and have so mm. many bigger connotations than sex pest because... Sex pest can even just be the guy in the office who asks girls out too much. That can be a yeah, sex pest. Exactly. So it's too, it's just, it gives them too Tom much freedom. Habited. Yeah. Exactly who I was thinking of. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just super gross. And do you know what? That, like, Tom Haverford as a character probably sexually assaulted women. Yeah, totally. But did he not on the show? Oh, probably. I don't remember in great enough I detail. I can't remember either. But like he did it with like a, a charming smile, so it's fine. Yeah, and yeah, he even so had the line once. Which of? Parks and Recreation. There was a line in one episode where a woman was like, yeah, I'll go out with you. You wore me down. And he said the three most beautiful words in the English language. You wore me down. Yeah, disgusting. Anyway, it's just not a strong enough word to describe these people. And we need to stop sanitizing our language about these things. Because it just continues to put the onus on victims to have to, A, process their own feelings because, like, it's a bloody huge, horrible thing to process. And when it's being constantly downplayed, then you're going to continue to gaslight yourself and believe that it wasn't as horrible as it was. Mm. But also it means that, like, the person's not getting the reputation they deserve and possibly not being protected from other potential victims because language is so powerful. Like, it is so influential on how we think and what we do that even these little things that we do have massive ripple effects going forward and yeah I just finally realized why I hate the phrase after I used it a lot like especially actually in Parks and Rec I would talk about Tom Haverford as being a sex pest and yeah no he's he's a pervert yeah yeah he's a pervert he's not a sex pest yeah yeah He's disgusting. But, yeah. you, you know, I was thinking about what you're saying. Like, in, in Spanish, especially in Chile, we have a word that we call viejo verde. That means, like, green old man. Great means, green old man. Yes. That means viejo verde. And that's the, the typical idea of the older men past the 
next to you and look your butt or tell you something or touch mm. your waist. In South America, the sexual harassment on the street is huge. Mm. Mm. And when you do it like that, they say, oh, he's picoro. He's like, you make it like kind of fun, like mm. a character. When it's sexual harassment, it's a 60 years old telling to a 14 years old girl that her legs looks amazing. That mm. is sexual harassment. Mm. No anymore though. Oh, now it starts to change because the feminist movement in South America started really strong. Before, it was just like normalized. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. We need to like stop pussyfooting around language and like what we call things. Call it femicide, call it harassment. Stop giving things cute names it just lets men off easy and lets abusers off easy fucking bullshit and i love that point about the feminist movement and what we can do when we we all come together that's yeah yeah absolutely oh oh shit guys sorry i'm so fucking tired completely knackered from slut fest last night yeah yeah it was so good it was so good you did so well i'm so proud of the team so proud of the team we raised over 800 dollars and it was yeah yeah and which is awesome and a lot of that's going back towards the performers into the Auslan which is really cool and Feminist United Australia supported the event so we provided the Zoom and all that kind of stuff which is really cool like I don't know it's just it's such a like slut walk events are always so inclusive and so supportive and like it's always such a great vibe and it was so nice everyone was just it's just beautiful I love our community I really do yeah, yeah. And it made me, I think I sent you a message last night saying this, it made me so excited to be back in a room full of, like, empowering people again. Mm. Like, yeah, it was so good. Poor Hormers were amazing. And the the host, the MC, Lucy Best. She was great. literally the best. She was (laughs) so So good. good. Yeah. Yeah. I saw her perform at uh, Club Voltaire, and I was just like, we really need to have Lucy as our host because... Like, when there was glitches and stuff like that, like, she just seamlessly managed them. Yeah. She was just like, oh, there's a bit of a, no worries, no big deal, everything's cool, all sorted. Yeah, she was so great. I, yeah, I adore her, and I can't wait until things do actually open up and we can start doing that sort of stuff in real life. And hopefully, like, through Feminist United, we'll, we'll still put it all online and, you know, still do the Zooming stuff, the Zoom Zooms, but, but have it in person as well. So you've got the option of, of logging in from home if you want to or actually come into the event if you want to. Sort of, yeah, some so and workshops and performances and speaking panels and all that kind of stuff. I'm really excited. Yeah, it'll be really cool. But I've, yeah, I'm exhausted. It's all good, man. So fucking tired. Oh, good. So we say goodbye this episode. <laughs> thank you so much for listening to thank us, Thank you, Carly. Again. Thank you so no, much. No, thank for you. Carly, it was so much fun. Nice to meet you. I hope we can do something together again. Absolutely. Yeah. Hopefully so in person. Fantastic. And Woo! I hope you feel better with your new with your new career that you're going to start and the new opportunities that probably are open for you. Not probably. Absolutely. Are, <laughs> absolutely. Look at her. She's a legend, babe, amazing human, incredible, intelligent. She wrote a dictionary. (laughs) Don't listen to her. She'll just be like, I just edited it. I, yeah. No, no. (laughs) Did not write a dictionary. Thank you so much for coming today. And thank you guys for listening to us. Have a great week. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye.